Good morning. It's great to see your faces today, and uh, so glad you've uh, taken the time to join us today. So glad you're joining us online, wherever or whenever you're watching. We don't believe in that it's an accident that you're here. So if something hits home, that's not because I'm good, but because God is good, and He wants to talk to you today. As uh, uh, Miranda was telling us in the uh, announcements this morning, Pastor Clint and an incredible team of people are out in Carleton right now. So uh, that's exciting. We've uh, one church, two locations, and uh, I snuck out there this morning just because uh, they have donuts. And uh, no, just wanted to see. It's a beautiful setup. Pastor Clint and an amazing team of people come in and set that thing up and tear it down, and, and it's beautiful. So we're, uh, we're trusting that uh, great things are going to be happening there. We've been in this summer series going through the Psalms. As you know, the Psalms, uh, 150 Psalms within this book. It's a book of songs and prayers and poems written throughout the history of uh, Israel. Many of the Psalms are connected with David. He, he wrote about 73 of them. And uh, there's also dif- different authors to the Psalms, like Asaph and the sons of Korah, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Solomon and Moses even get into the act, and they sneak a couple in. About a third of them are anonymous, and, uh, but many of these are written for the choirs to be used in uh, public worship at the temple. And so many of these uh, are to be sung. Today we are in Psalm 57. Psalm 57. And... Uh, you'll see that it's directed <clears throat> as a song. You can see it right there, and, and in the heading of most of your translations, it will say kind of the direction of the psalm, the kind of the t- context, and sometimes it will say who wrote it. So this particular song, it says, to the director of music. Now that could be to the choir director at the temple, or it could be just to God, the ultimate director of music, that is God. And then it says, to the tune of Do Not Destroy. So apparently Do Not Destroy had a snappy tune and people knew it, right? There's other psalms that also say to the tune of Do Not Destroy. So they they had new lyrics to an old tune. But then it gives us the context. This is a psalm of David when he fled from Saul into the cave. So we need to kind of look into that. So as this this was written to be sung, as this was written to be an expression of worship, as this was written to be a reminder of not only prayer but praise. We need to dial in and, and kind of give the context to help us uh, understand this further. And to do that, we need to see where David was at when he wrote this. You know, when you're reading the Bible at any point, it's always great to stop and say, who was this written to? What was the circumstances? What was the context so that we can take it and we can use it to its fullest? And so we need to see where David was at. He had a colorful history. And we need to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 21. And uh, it really kind of goes through chapter 24 talking about this very incident. And there won't be uh, uh, the, the text on the screen, but let's just talk through that for a minute. You know, I don't know about you, but... You ever feel like something good is going to happen, but it's not yet happened yet? Well, the title of this that I want to come back to today is Almost, But Not Yet. Almost, But Not Yet. You know, many of us are living in that 
in our lives at different times. Maybe you might have been there. You're in a period where you anticipate, you're hoping, you're praying, you're believing for that thing. Almost, but not yet. We celebrated communion today. We, those elements tell us that, guess what? We're, we're not to our eternal destination. Almost, not yet, but this side we can celebrate that. You might remember very well. You might not even have to have a Sunday school background to understand and, and know some of the highlights of David's life. David was this little boy, that uh, the youngest of the family, the forgotten son. How would you like to have your dad say, bring us the best of your family and you're the only one they left out? That might be your story. But uh, um, David is this shepherd boy. He's out with the sheep. And we remember that the prophet Samuel comes and anoints him to be the next king of Israel. He goes from there to a servant to his brothers, to a giant killer, to an attendant of the king. And he goes into kind of a national hero status where he's doing incredible things with the army and leading. But Samuel did anoint him as the king of Israel and he knew that God had placed him there Almost, but not yet. David ended up having to run from Saul. You see, Saul had mental breakdowns that led him to throwing spears at him. Uh, there was abuse. There was anger. There were threats. He actually married Saul's daughter, and so he enlisted his daughter into spying on David. He couldn't even go to his home because there were people waiting there, assassins waiting there. And so right before this, we read that David escapes into the night with nothing but a group of guys around him and he runs for his life because he knows that Saul wants to kill him. And he runs to a place called Nob. <laughs> Not Nob Hill, but a place called Nob. That's where the tabernacle was at the time. He goes into the tabernacle and he pleads with the priests there that they've been running, they haven't had provisions. And you might remember the story, the priest actually gives him the bread from the altar to have for him and his men. And he also doesn't have a weapon. And actually, Goliath's sword, you remember when he killed Goliath, he took his armor and he took his head, but uh, he took his sword and it was, it was sta staged or stored at that tabernacle. And so David leaves that tabernacle with bread for his stomach and a weapon for his hand and he takes off. Well, the next place he goes is Gath. Now, if you do a little Bible history, you understand that Gath was Goliath's hometown. <laughs> so he strolls into Goliath's hometown with Goliath's sword. How many know that that's probably not going to go over well? He gets arrested. They're going to figure out what they want to do with him, and so David has to pretend like he's crazy. He starts foaming at the mouth and acts like a lunatic, and they say, well, we got enough of them around here. Let's get him out. So out he goes. This is what David's doing. He's bouncing around. Man, I was anointed king. I was promised greatness. I believed good things were going to happen. And here I am, almost, but not yet. That could be a lonely place. The Bible then tells us that he tries to do something productive, and he begins to go to small towns in Israel and protect them. But they even keep ratting him out to Saul, and Saul finds out where he's at. And he comes, and a couple times he asks God, is this community going to tell on me? And God said, yep. And so off he would go. And then he goes into the wilderness. And when we come into this setting, he is in the wilderness or in Gedi. It's a place of caves. It's, 
It's a place that he could hide, get lost, get out there, and nobody could find him. Well, Saul is in hot pursuit of him. David has about 600 men that are following him. These are bad dudes. They're rough. They're tough. They're mean. David is trying to lead them in godly ways. He's trying to show them the ways of the Lord. And he's trying to teach them about God's timing, God's provision. And then they think that God's timing has come. And the fact that Saul, with 3,000 men, tracked David down in the caves of En Gedi, and they're getting close. They can feel it. He's close, and they're kind of going around trying to find him. And in one incident, it's really in the Bible, it's amazing, Saul decides he needs to go. One translation says he goes into the cave to relieve himself. The other one says he goes in to take a nap. So if you, it offends you that he's going potty, then he's taking a nap, okay? Whatever. But he goes into the cave. He's in the cave. And David and 600 men are in that cave. And I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I go, wait a minute, how do you keep 600 guys quiet? But then I begin to read the history and the background, and some of these caves could be a half a mile deep. So they're back away, but they see who's in the cave, and all those guys start saying, okay, God's come through. This is it. God's provided. We've been praying for it. We've been been leaving for it. And there he is. He's put him right into your hands. These guys are saying, this is a divine opportunity. God has to be in this. So David sneaks up, cuts the corner of his robe off. Can you imagine what's going through David's mind at the time? The vengeance. And rightfully so. I mean, the spears, the terror, the abuse that he's had to put up with, with this guy. And not only that, but he just came from killing all the priests at the tabernacle because they helped David. David believes he deserves it. But in that moment, something happens in David's heart. And he stops. He knows he can, but he doesn't. Even though everyone is telling him to do it, he says, this can't be the way that God would do this. Not not this way. This can't be the way. You know, it makes me stop sometimes and think about how we interpret circumstances and say, this must be God. You ever, ever do that before? Well, God, God was in it. God was in it. I mean, this happened, this happened, so off I went. And I say, well, it didn't turn out very well, but <laughs> I sure thought God was in it. Or, you know, God's leading me to this new job. Well, why is that? Well, it's a lot more money, so it has to be God, Right? God wants me to marry her. Why? Well, she's beautiful and her dad's loaded. It's got to be God. (laughs) Sometimes we want it to be God. How many of you have gone into something and saying, you know, I want this so bad. Maybe I didn't stop and say, God, is this really you? And what David finds here is that he taps into the character of God. God's will comes when you follow the character of God. Almost but not yet. Does it just support what we want, or is it really what God has in mind? But in this situation, David is learning following lessons. You know, sometimes there's something about the situation we're in, and sometimes it's a lesson for us to learn how to follow. Do you know that earth is just a a preparation place for eternity? God is getting you ready. He's He's knocking off some of the edges. He's preparing you for eternity. Our problem is we think that this is all there is and everything should be wrapped up right here. Some of us might not really understand until we get to eternity. And so 
David, he's learning these following lessons. And he's also learning when to let God fight the battle. The real question of the story is whose battle is this? Well, you'll know over and over he would say it's the Lord's battle and the Lord fights the battle even when it doesn't seem to make sense. That's why for us it doesn't mean make sense when Jesus says love those who hate you. Do good to those who persecute you. Sometimes the best thing you can do is to not take advantage or take revenge. Why don't you let me fight the battles? That's what Jesus said. So with these men with David, they're, they're telling him, you deserve this. And David has something different in mind. He's saying, but would it please God? I would be king. I should be king. I've been anointed king. Almost, but it's got to be God's way. It's got to be God's way. So David has the corner of Saul's robe. Either he woke up from his nap or finished the business. We just won't go into detail. But he's out of the cave, and David comes out with the corner of the robe, and he calls out after Saul. One translation, he says, he calls out, My father. Let me just read you a few of these passages of this story. It won't be on the screen, but 1 Samuel 24, 8 said, Then David came out of the cave, and he called out to Saul, King Saul, my master. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down, and he laid flat and his face toward the ground. And he said, Saul, why do you listen when men say David is trying to hurt you or harm you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord handed you over to me in the cave. Some of my men begged me to kill you, but I didn't. I said, I will never lay my hand on my master. He is the Lord's anointed king. And then in verse 14, King Saul says, he says, he says to King Saul, who are you trying to catch? Who do you think you're chasing? I'm nothing more than a dead dog or a flea. May the Lord be the judge. May he decide between us. May he consider my case and stand up for me. May he show that I'm not guilty of doing anything wrong. May he save me from you. And then Saul makes this statement, and he says, David, you're better than me. And he admits, David, you're going to be king one day. And I think, you know, it would have been easier. Why didn't he just lay down his crown, lay down all his king stuff, and says, you take over, I'm out. That doesn't happen. In fact, Saul goes back to the palace, and David goes back to the cave, and it's not for another six years until this comes to resolution. Almost, but not yet. And then, in this moment, in this situation, I hope you've got the feel for where we're at. This is when David sits down and he begins to pen the words to Psalm 57. There's two sections to the psalm. The first six verses are David's prayer, and the second part is David's praise. So let's read it together. Let me read the first part. Have mercy on me. My God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wing until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I'm in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell 
among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Look at the shift. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing to you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. David brings out this psalm and this time in his life. And let's talk about a couple things that just come out in our, in our remaining time together. First of all, the first thing he does is it's a prayer. And let me just tell you, today is the day to pray. <laughs> is that Captain Obvious or what? We need to be praying like never before. But David's first response when he was in difficulty was to go to God. His first response was to pray. His first conversation, his first reaction was to go to God. Not to a friend that has sympathy for him, not to social media, not to self-medication, hello. He has the faith in the God and in the God who loves him and in what God can do. In the New King James Version, verse 2 says, I will cry out, to God Most High, to God who performs all things for me. Do you hear the faith? God is the one that will perform all things. That's who he is. I trust. I don't have to make it happen in my own strength because I trust God. I know his character. I know who he is. That's why Jesus would say in his famous Sermon on the Mount, and whatever you ask for in prayer, believing you will receive it all. We can say asking God in faith, believing. God, here's what I know is true about you. I know that I'm in an almost, but not yet, but here's what I know about you, God. You are true. You are trustworthy. Let me ask you, if, and I was thinking about this as I read this psalm, it's like, if I was fully convinced that God is faithful, would I be as afraid as I am in different circumstances. If you fully were convinced that God is faithful to you, do you think you would be as afraid as you are sometimes? Are we afraid because we doubt God's faithfulness? Some of us feel like we've turned a corner in the national fear the national narrative that we should be afraid and we've been afraid and now they're telling us we need to be afraid again. But let me tell you what, the God who brought us through will still bring us through. David is exercising his faith. But when you look around him, the circumstances aren't that, that positive for him. The circumstance that he's dealing with is the fact that Saul's still in the castle, and he's still in the cave. It's almost, but it's not yet. But he trusts God and his faithfulness. Ultimately, 
He gives God his doubts. He gives God his fears. He lets God hear his reality. But he trusts him. And I, I would just ask you today, are you facing something today? Are you facing something right now that maybe you just need to give it to God? Maybe the time you've spent worrying about it, the time you spent awake when you should be sleeping, can you just give it to God and say, God, I don't see it, but yet I know that you are faithful. So the first thing David does is pray. He just takes it to God. And then the second thing he does is he praises. Let me tell you, today is the day to praise. I love when we come into this auditorium. I love when we start this live stream because we start it with praise to God. We start it with lifting Jesus' name. There's something in my heart that just kind of raises. There's something in my heart that kind of comes alive when I begin to listen to the worship of God. And he says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. There used to be a chorus we would sing with those same lyrics. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. He says it twice. If you see something twice in the word, you know that he's trying to emphasize that. And he says, I will sing and make music. You see, today is the day to praise, to worship, to put God in his rightful place. That's what worship means. You put worth-ship. God is worthy. David is able to praise in the almost, but not yet. That is such a powerful moment when even the thing you're dreaming about, the thing you're hoping about, the thing you want to see happen so much, if you can get to a place where you can say, God, I'm going to praise you in the in-between. I'm going to praise you even though I don't see it yet, but I know who you are, and I know you are faithful. I'm telling you, there is a growth time that comes. There is something that will happen in your heart. See, God is in his proper place, and he puts everything in right order when we understand who fights the battle. In this story that David writes this out of, he's got 600 men hiding in a cave, and Saul comes with 3,000 soldiers. Doesn't seem like good odds, does it? And how can I praise at this moment? How can I praise at this time? But these 600 men, they see David. They see that it's God's battle and not his. These same men that are with him will become what the Old Testament calls David's mighty men. They do incredible feats for God. They, 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 they become incredible warriors. But I think it goes back to places like these when they watch David understand the character of God and say, no matter what I see in the almost and not yet, I'm going to connect, I'm going to trust who God is. Verse 3, he sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. He will send help from heaven. And I don't know if you've ever had that question. <laughs> when is God going to do something about all this? Have you ever, ever thought that? I mean, how many times this last week? is like, when is God going to finally do something about all this? Can I tell you? He has. <laughs> He already has. We celebrated that today. John 3.16 says, For God so loved this world that he gave 
his only son. Verse 17 says this, He sent his son to the world not to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. Let me tell you what, God has done something, and he continues to do something. Or like Paul says in Romans 5, 6, at just the right time, Christ died for sinners. Just the right time. Really, it's, when I look at this, I really, I really see this is about God being Lord. We don't say Lord a lot. We don't, we don't use that terminology like, but when we know that we have a Lord of our life, the Lord of our life is the one that we trust in, the one we connect with. When am I trusting God? When do I learn to trust God? It's probably in the most challenging times when I'm having to give it over to him and say, okay, God, I'm tired of being Lord of my own situation. I want you to be Lord of my situation. We're in the in-between. Some of you came in today and you're still dreaming, you're still hoping, you're still praying, and you haven't seen it yet. Maybe you won't hear anything else here this today. God is faithful. That's who he is. Almost, but not yet. Trust him. He, he needs to do something. Guess what? He has done something. He's sent the remedy. And that faith that grows in your heart when you begin to give over the reins of your life to him and say, okay, you be Lord, I'll be the subject. That's the lesson. And so he prays and we pray. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, for I take refuge in you. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wing until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and he saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I'm in the midst of lions. I'm forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, who, whose tongues are sharp sword. That might be reality, but then he flips it to praise. My heart, O oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast, and I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, the harp and the lyre. Awake, the drums and the electric guitar and the synthesizer. Awake, I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. The question today is, who's, who are you going to let fight your battles? David learned that when God is Lord... Things are different. And God is Lord when we trust him to do what he says he will do. That's when God becomes Lord, when we have the trust in the almost, but not yet. David let God be God, even when it was a hard choice. Why? Because he understood the heart and the character of God. He didn't misinterpret what he thought was happening. He was willing to follow the Lord even when it didn't make sense and he allowed God to lead the way. So, as we close today, what are you waiting on? What, right now, what if you just gave it to him in prayer and what if you lift it up in praise and say, God, 
I might not see it. I might not be experiencing it, but I trust you and I trust your character. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you today, God, for psalms that come alive uh, when we begin to read uh, the context of which they came out of. God, thank you for someone like David that lived a real life like we do with disappointments and failures and struggles. And God, thank you for someone that was able to trust you in the in-between. God, I, I know that there are places in my life that I'm just, I'm not seeing it yet, but it's almost, but not yet. God, give me the trust and determination to let you be Lord. And God, I pray for those in the room today that are allowing this to seep into their soul and connect with them, that they could see you as the faithful God that you are and that they could answer the question, God has done something. He has sent the answer. We've just got to trust you and we've got to allow you to be Lord of our lives. If you're watching today, connecting with us online or you're in the room today and you would say, you know, if I was really honest, I'd probably have to admit that I'm probably my own leader. I'm probably doing the best I can trying to be the Lord of my life. You know what? The Bible says if we would give our lives over to him, he can be the Lord. He can be your leader. He can be your friend. doesn't mean that all the problems go away, but it does mean you'll never be alone. He wants your heart. And it's as simple and yet profound if you just say, Jesus, come into my life. Or maybe you followed Jesus for a long time, but you just have been stingy with the reins, and you would just pray today, Jesus, would you lead my life? Would you be my Lord? Would you be the one I can trust? And I put my faith in you. The Bible says if you say that prayer, he is faithful and will be there. Jesus, thank you for the prayers that are going up in this room. Thank you for the faith. Maybe thank you, God, for the disappointment that we're handing back over and saying, God, I don't see it yet, but I choose to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, I'm I'm learning, I'm growing through the Psalms, and I I pray that you are too. Uh, In just a moment, we're going to have our prayer wall open, and there's someone online right now that would love to pray with you and connect with you. Uh, Don't leave today without having somebody pray with you. You know, last week we talked about the serve the city. It's probably one of my favorite Sundays. This room is empty, but we're in the community. Check this out, how we served our community last Sunday. team that worked so hard putting that all together, uh, made sure the sites were ready. We have, uh, we're going to be blessing teachers uh, with great uh, appreciation bags, and we made parks look better and property look better, and 
I just want to say thank you for serving. Thank you for giving. I'm telling you, there's, there's just something that happens in your life when you give of your life. And love is best when it's a little sweaty. I don't think I'll make a t-shirt that says that. Eh? Would you stand with me today? I pray that uh, you've received something from Jesus today and you'll take it with you. Don't leave it here. But until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. That he would turn his face towards you. He will. He will shine his countenance on your life to give you peace, to help you through. Maybe it's almost and not yet, but God is faithful. God bless you as you go live the life today. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.